All right, we are back with another episode of Lost in the Deep End. This is a Deep Cuts episode. This is the first album review episode, which is the original inspiration to do a music-based podcast. Originally, Matt and I, uh, Matt Bressler's my co-host, I'm uh, Mike Turpin. Originally, our inspiration was to do music review episodes. And this is the first one I did. It actually came out right around the time that we were going to originally start a podcast, mm-hmm. back when I had Dizzy Street Talk, mm-hmm. the other podcast I did recently. And it came out in 2020. But to be honest, if we ever... I'm letting you know now, and I'll probably constantly remind you at the top of episodes, I don't really care about the particulars. If you want to look up every chalk sort of thing, you can find all of that out there. I want to talk about what I feel when I hear this album. It's going to be a slightly different type of review or I'm not, I'm going off of, I've listened to this album for about, I guess a year now, over a year. And I heard it on end when I, when it first came out and whatever sticks with me, sticks with me. And I might not cover every part This is a weird one because, Matt, this was my album choice, so I'm Mm -hmm. probably going to be talking the most by far on it, but uh, you have listened to the album. Yeah, I've listened to it several times, and when we first talked about doing the podcast, I listened to it probably like 20 or 30 times, and then I just recently, I listened to it a couple times. Uh, Today, actually, I listened to it. Is once. this the only album by Local H you've really taken on that yeah, you know of? Yeah, I think yeah, I think this is the pretty much the most I've ever heard them besides Bound to the Floor. Okay, awesome. That's a unique perspective. A lot of people know Local H. If you if you don't know anything about Local H, I'll just go ahead and give you my uh, street bio. That's what I'm going to call this. Uh, <laughs> anytime I'm talking about it, it's it's the street info, dog. I I am not spitting <laughs> facts here. It's probably right. So <laughs> I, I knew Local H like a lot of people for the song Bound for the Floor, which is, you know, just don't get it, keep it copacetic, born to be down, learned all my lessons. By now, if you have, have figured it out and you know the song, you know it. If that didn't remind you of it, you can look into it. Um, it's not overly important. If you are somebody listening to this, who listens to our other episodes, it's not overly important that you've heard the album. This is one that I think you probably would enjoy if you like hearing us talk about things, period. Um, this one, especially me, but I'm not going to get overly specific in a way where you need to have heard it. it. It might actually be a good one to kind of pique your interest if it's something you're into. So Local H Lifers came out in 2020. At that point in time, I had been a huge Local H fan. They actually did a, an anniversary. Their, their second album, As Good As Dead, is their huge album. It's the song that had the, the giant hit in the 90s that a lot of people know them by. And they were doing, I guess it was 20th anniversary. Or no, 25th. See, I'm a, this is the street part where... <laughs> We just kind of say numbers and just say, <laughs> maybe it was the 25th anniversary of that album, but I could be wrong. I'd have to think about it. No, no, it would definitely be the, the 20th. But either way, I could be wrong. I don't want to spend too many minutes going over that one. I don't feel like looking it up. 
but I had just got done seeing Local H a bunch for the first time. Like I had seen them before when they would come around, but for this tour specifically, dude, this just gives you, this is a perfect place to start on Local H. They did a tour that was the Bound for the Floor anniversary tour. And they went around playing that album in its entirety as a set with the original drummer. Believe that was the second set. The first set they came out and they did a decent amount of newer songs because there is an album before this called Hey Killer. They did a lot of songs off of that and they just did some random songs. Right. Then after, so they did, the first set was just some of their music, a lot of newer stuff. They did the album Bound for the Floor and then they did a third set with two drummers on stage. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I believe that one of them might have played a guitar at some point instead right. of the drums, or maybe somebody else came on and played a guitar or a bass or a second. That's not overly common from what I've seen Local H, but if you don't know, they're a two-man band. Yeah. So it's Scott Lucas as the front man, and the drummer, I don't fucking know. I think that's his name. <laughs> no, he's really cool, though. I love the new drummer. I love the old drummer, too. The new guy I've had the chance to talk to a couple times after sets. And oh, that's cool. Dude, I was so fucked up. This was like the, the craziest week of my life as far as when I saw that concert several times in the same week because I traveled to go see different parts of the tour. I was so, so fucked up. I was getting these mushroom chocolates and I, I, would, I was doing mushroom chocolates. Uh, I would do like to get four drinks right at the top of the set and then get my place, you know. And then, I mean, I was um, on weed edibles, smoking pot the second, like right before I walked in, um, just, you know, I was, I was amped up, dude. I think one night I did acid, one night I did Molly and <laughs> I was How dating many times this girl. did you see them? Three times on this tour. Mm. And then I saw them immediately, I think three times or at least twice with Helmet. Uh, do you know Helmet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Helmet is a band. They they had a pretty big hit in the early '90s, mm -hmm. but they're a little bit. I would say they're they're a little bit like uh, serious, kind of boring compared to Local H <laughs> for me. Helmet yeah. is very boring to me. Yeah, Not, I don't. This really is a Helmet review. Um, but as a fan of rock, I, Helmet's always been a difficult one for me. I always like it. I just find it a little boring. So believe it or not, I went to those shows and just saw Local H. I just saw the <laughs> opening act and they didn't do a ton of songs, but it was worth it for me. I could still go to bed early, go to work the next right. day. I didn't mind it. So I want to go into this because we'll get to the album lifers too. And just keep in mind when we do these episodes, I want to stay on task as far as talking about the band and this does revolve around lifers and we will talk about lifers, but I'll, I'll spend a lot of time talking about other stuff anecdotal about the band because you know, that's obviously the first thing I think of are these stories of especially <laughs> yeah. the ones I've seen live. Well, it was the last time I saw them live on this stretch. Okay. And they were playing at this venue in DC. I think it's called the black cat. Yeah. So they got done playing and I was, or you know what? I'm sorry. No, nah, I probably was the black cat. I also saw them at House of Rock. Might have been that, but it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Whatever I saw them at, I saw them. And I went next door to get pizza. And I was with this girl I was seeing that lived in the city, that lived in Baltimore. And she was wild, dude. She's like one of the only girls I've dated that 
you know, I mean, she had her shit together to a degree, but she <laughs> liked to blow coke and she was a little uh, bit yeah. fucking, she was wild, dude. So we get done seeing Local H and I walk next door and I'm getting pizza. And who walks in but Scott Lucas from Local H. Okay. <laughs> now, previously on this tour, I had talked to him at the end of every show because Scott does a thing where he crowd surfs or makes his way to the back of the fucking room at the end of the show and he hangs out with his uh, people. My two favorite artists coincidentally do this and That's it's two of the cool only people do. that do it. And I'm so glad it's like a good litmus test. Like how yeah. cool is it that Scott Lucas and Mark Lanigan are my favorite fucking like people and that's what they do. Yeah, that is pretty cool. That's a cool thing to do for your fans. And to be completely honest, I love Mark Lanigan and I would always say he's my favorite like artist. Um, Scott Lucas is the coolest motherfucker I've ever, <laughs> I've ever come across. Yeah. He is too cool. He's a little cooler than Mark. I mean, Mark is a little bit of a stiff and, yeah. and struggles a little harder. And you know, he's, I could see Mark Lanigan as being more awkward, a little more grouchy. Yeah. yeah. He has his night, but Scott, anytime Scott's got an attitude, dude, it's got, it's got like a lot of heart to it. It's got <laughs> a lot of soul. Um, well, anyway, I had talked to him one night. I told him, I said, hey, I just want to let you know the last time I saw you, which really was only like a few days ago, was the best mushroom trip I ever had. <laughs> I never have a plan when I go to see um, or when I go to talk to somebody. I usually say like one or two things, whatever just comes out, comes out and I leave. So I did not plan on saying that. And I'm like, it was such a funny interaction that I, he probably recalls that if he heard me fully. I don't know what he heard. Okay. Now, keep in mind, I made this my string of get fucked up. This was like my spring break or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was, every time I saw him, I was a different state of pupil popping. Right? <laughs> yeah. So the other time I saw him, I was talking people. This is when they opened for Helmet and people like I was explaining. I'm like, bro, you got to check out this album. I was trying to get people to buy this album, um, 12 Angry Months, which is like a breakup concept album. And I don't know why, dude. I was just being I don't know why I was talking to these people. You could imagine, you know me pretty well. For me to be like that, I had to be pretty fucked up, fucked up dude. <laughs> to just be that way in front of somebody like this, in front of just random people who are there to see them. I don't do that. I'm too, I'm good about that. Bro, I was fucked up. <laughs> I was very much on a Molly that night, I think. Yeah. Well, either way, um, he was like, you would make a really good politician. And he didn't say it in a way that was like, he could have been a dick, dude. He could have been like, bro, you got to get out of here. Wait, Scott said that to you? He, but yeah, he's like, he was talking to me. He goes, I really appreciate it. He goes, they know that. Or this is what he said. He goes, I think they know that. Like, <laughs> they know the albums. And I'm like, dude, to be honest, I don't think they did. Because I just got done seeing this set where I'm like, it seemed like nobody appreciated it. To me, in my right. mind, I was like one of eight people who were all about the band right, on right. that day, you know? And this was in Philly. And there was a guy I had seen on, this is too funny. I'm really telling a lot of anecdotes at the beginning of this, but it's a, one of my favorite moments in music history. Keep in mind, this is like my first like real interactions with this guy outside of like, hey, I love your music, love the show, love the right. set. That's the kind of stuff I usually say. So this was just a string of funny interactions. There was another guy there who I believe was sort of special needs. And I had seen him at the shows and he was in line with me. 
So like, this is something I bet the drummer even remembers. He had this guitar. He was hoping to get signed by the band, but he was very weird to talk to. He dressed like somebody that was kind of at a rave, but I got the impression that he was not. It seemed like he brought a son one time, like the impression that he was sober, even though he was dressed kind of goofy. But I knew that he might give the wrong impression meeting the band. So I even went up. This is how fucked up I was. I like, I'm like, hey, man, I talked to the drummer. I knew his name at the time. Maybe Ryan. I forget now. So I, I said, hey, hey, come here. This guy, you know, I think he's got like a, maybe he's a little uh, mentally challenged, whatever the way I worded it. Uh, and I said, he's really a big fan. I see him at the concerts. You know, he wants to get his guitar signed. I think he's going to be a little nervous. Could you, could you guys just like give him a second, you know, yeah. <laughs> like fucking managing the band, oh. telling him what to do. He was cool about it though, the, the drummer. So that was my interaction with him. I'm like, bro, this dude may be a little retarded, but look, he is a fucking cool dude. Did he dude. end up getting the guitar signed? Yeah, they talked cool. to him. Yeah, for sure. He asked him, I think about like playing a chord to some song and they had like oh. a short conversation. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. But then eventually I overstayed my welcome and realized I'm like, he's like, you'd make a great politician and whatever he was talking to me. And I was like, all right, I need to leave before I keep saying stupid shit. Fast forward to the show in DC. A few days later, I'm there with a girl. She's crazy. We each did a tab of acid. And nice. we, you know, like I said, we were, we were pretty fucked up and, we were at the uh, pizza place, probably acid and Molly and weed and mushroom. Probably, you know what I mean? Like that combo. My, my general thing with a concert isn't what I'm going to do. It's how much I usually do a little bit of everything I have. <laughs> yeah. That's my, that's my uh, concert cocktail. So it's usually some psychedelics, some different types of like pot related things, maybe that's some kratom. You know, I don't really do anything too, too crazy, but maybe I'll save something like the acid I'll save for a concert or something. So anyway, we're there. He comes in and I really regret this moment, man. And it kind of actually ties into the album Lifers and what it's really about at the, the heart and what they're about at the heart and this like crossroads in life, but still kind of like riding it out and, and being at a different place in life, which they are now, I'm fucked up. I talk to him. I say, Hey man, can I buy you a slice of pizza? He's like, nah, you know, I'm like, uh, he's like, no, I'm good. Uh, I'll I'll get my own thing. And then I talk to him. He's got the money. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and plus it's just like, you know, no, no. Yeah. He's probably thinking like this guy just paid to see me live. Like the last thing I want to do is let him pay for it. You know, he has his merch on and yeah. Yeah. And He's probably like, oh, I remember this motherfucker from talking a few <laughs> seconds ago. No, so I'm I'm there, and what I tell him was, I, I just told him that I got done seeing him all the sets, and I I explained, which actually I didn't go into too depth, is that they played those three set shows on the tour that happened immediately before this, and they ran it back and did some more dates, so I got to see him a ton. Nice. It was like three and a half hours of Local H. That's cool for a band to they just were the only act play for three hours i would love to be in a band like that like yes dude if we were like f- popular and still just had the 
that much love for music like that they would just want to play right dude and you know there's a little bit of sacrifice in that because you're not opening yourself up to new audiences Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of integrity and pride in saying this is what we want to do and there's i'll tell you what the what the fuck it really is is work ethic yeah they want to go out there and do three and a half hours scott plays guitar and sings and he is probably as lively and as energetic you know he's got to be the show the drummer's glued to the drums. Yeah, that's true. He can't perform. I mean, he can, but he can't perform the same way a guitarist or a vocalist frontman type guy can. He's got to just love performing, which he, is cool. Yeah. He loves it all, man. Yeah, he loves yeah. it all. I've never heard somebody that's just so excited. He's like, come I can't tell you how many times I've heard him say, uh, it's really only a few, but I say it like it's like a, a million times, but come on people it's a rock show like let's go what did you (laughs) come here for like let's have some fucking fun let's get wild you know and he just does it in such a sincere cool way sometimes people think he might come off as a dick but i I don't know i have had nothing but respect (laughs) for that for that guy and so we have this conversation i ask him i say you know, I, he, oh no, after I told him all the times I had seen him on the, the, the previous tour and that tour, he was like, man, like, how do you, how did you see all of these? Um, you know, where do you live or something? And I said, well, I kind of live between here and Philly and Baltimore's even closer. So none of them are that much more than an hour. And it just works out because, you know, I can go to Baltimore, DC, Philly. And then if I feel like traveling for one more, I always can. And that'll be the only Mm -hmm. one that really feels like traveling. And I said, and to be honest, as I get older, I love concerts, but I only get excited to see the bands that I'm accustomed to seeing. Mm -hmm. So I said, I see you guys. I've been trying to see a local, I mean, um, Queens of the Stone Age, but they only come around so often. And it's a little yeah. bit like sometimes it's just, I don't know. I don't want to get like sitting in the stands. I like a rock show, dude. So like, yeah. uh, I want to make sure it's a venue where I'm going to enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to sit in a seat is what I mean to watch Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. I saw them play at the Anthem. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. I was at that show. How oh. cool was that show, dude? What? Yeah, I didn't. How about the, the stage stuff? That. We'll talk about Queens of the Stone Age in the future, but yeah, they had like those light, little like poles of oh, right? like, like LED lights or something, like different colored lights and stuff. And he was like kicking them over. And shit, How and like, much fun do they have? Yeah, they're oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, and so, the band that opened for them too was sick. I forget. Royal Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, another two piece band. Queens Not of the Stone Age but. is worth. I haven't even finished this whole thing, but I can wrap it back up <laughs> if you're following me. I want to touch on this note is that Queens of the Stone Age is a lot like local H in a way. They have a little bit of like a, they probably are are very much influenced obviously by like straightforward, heavier rock and grunge, but they both really are inspired by say types like Prince or Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I know they both happen to like that type of thing. The Prince, maybe David Bowie, your a bit more eccentric front men, probably queen, Mm -hmm. if not things like that. And you can see that in the way they approach things in a way that people who are straightforward rock don't do. So, um, but, but Scott Lucas is cooler, dude. Josh Homme, he's cool. And I love kind of seems like, I think he kind of seems like a dick sometimes like a little full of himself, but right. There's none of that in Scott Lucas. Like his music, he still questions himself to this day in every fucking way. So we're having this conversation, and this is one of the most embarrassing moments. The next time I see him, I'm going to clear the air. I'm going (laughs) to say, dude, one time I made a comment that I felt terrible about, and it just like, and now that I've been around more 
people in this way or like I've thought about it more. I was like, why did I talk to him like he was an old man? <laughs> I was embarrassed by the fact that clearly my pupils were bigger than my fucking whatever the other part of yeah. your eye is that no longer existed, dude. You know, I was <laughs> Vin Diesel and pitch black. You know what I mean? I, I was another species level popping and I'm looking at him talking like a madman, probably sweating. Thank God uh, the girl I was with was pretty chill at that point. It was like my buffer. Like he must right. be kind of normal because she's kind of normal and attractive and <laughs> she's with him. So I'm just going to let him talk. Um, I was like, man, you are, you probably are feel, I think I said something like he, he felt like he probably was getting too old for this shit. Seeing all these fucked up, like, uh, young people or whatever. Like I didn't say young people. I said, I said something about him being able to see that I was fucked up and referring to how he might feel being older and like, ah, right. these people all fucked up, you know? And meanwhile, like, I'm sure he doesn't see it that way. I'm, I'm just, that's the self-conscious nature of me, that right, awkward, right. hypercritical, like, you know, I'm so fucked up. He definitely knows I'm fucked up. And immediately mm -hmm. it makes me self-conscious about it, you know? That's why yeah, I could yeah. never be a good cokehead. <laughs> I would just constantly be self-conscious about the fact that I was doing that shit every time yeah. I touched my nose or what, you know? So I'm talking to Scott Lucas. I say something borderline offensive, but I saved it. He did ask me, remember he said, uh, where do I live to be able to see them? Mm -hmm. I, I, this was a little hiccup in there. I think I said that in between, but I did say, I only see you guys. I said, Queens of the Stone Age. And I said, and Mark Lanigan. I said, do you like, you know, Mark Lanigan? You like Mark Lanigan? And he goes, I love Mark Lanigan. Oh. And it was a, it like, he, you know, when people peel back the layer and they're no longer acting and they're being real. Right. Like, like he changed. There was a level. I could feel it in the air. Like a real connection. <laughs> that was the real, that was the real part of the conversation. Right, like right. That struck a real note. And there was an ex insane irony because after seeing local H live all those times, I was digging up this download I had on my computer of like kind of shitty quality bootleg live recordings of local H. Okay. I put on a random one. And guess what is on there? Something I never knew. A cover of a Mark Lanigan song. <laughs> a cover of a fucking Mark Lanigan song on the live album that it was like the day after that concert I was digging up live albums and there was a bunch to choose from. So weird after talking That's to crazy, him about yeah. Mark Lanigan and sincerely not knowing that I never made the correlation or never listened to that until then. So... Let's get to lifers. I gave my my Scott Lucas where I met him backstory. I won't have one of those for everything we do, <laughs> thankfully for you listeners. But I thought that would be worth putting out there. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the album Lifers is at a stage in this band's career where not that rock has, I mean, it's definitely not in anything they've passed rock by or they are like the few ones like one of the few holding that yeah. baton of like, we're still a rock band and, and you don't see a whole lot of bands coming out that feel as authentic, feel as raw, that really good guitar rock. Like even that band mm -hmm. Royal blood that sounded cool for Queens of the stone well, age. I mean, you listen the to them. They, they don't sound like they don't have any of those sort nah, of riffs. I nah. mean, that was actually a bass and a drum. Yeah, it was just a bass and drummer. Yeah. And the, the vocals are highly stylized in a way that's like right. auto-tune-esque in a way. So the production has changed over the years. And what I love about Lifers 
is they embrace production that just sounds better and better inevitably. Like it's not mm-hmm. like recorded in a garage. Yeah, I was noticing it. It's not like it, production-wise, it's pretty good. Super good. They they worked with some people. I don't know who, but it's like linked to. I was reading some stuff earlier right. on, and There's I don't. A lot wanna... of cool like guitar layers and stuff, and like layers of like sounds that. Yeah, I was like noticing listening today. I paid attention to that. Yeah, so uh, there's some odd connections. A guy, Drew Mazurk, actually had a little bit of connections oh, on wait, something. wait, what? The local guy. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I, I can't get off on that aside too much. That, or we'll never talk about is, the album. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, that guy? Um, Yeah, he's mixing something for one of the guys who works at music, I work at Musicland with. Right. He's a, he mixes a lot of stuff. I believe he mixed the album or did some of the mixing, at least for the album, and I, I found that out randomly talking about Local H to a guy at a jujitsu thing who was like, oh my God, I know a guy who just mixed that album you're talking about. So Wait, he mixed lifers? Yeah, something. You'd have to look it up. He's related in some way. There's also somebody linked to Steve Albini maybe or Steve, huh. not Steve Albini probably didn't do much for it, but I don't know. You'd have to look into it. I hate trying to relay that sort of stuff. Um if it doesn't stick in my head the first time I read it, I'm doing, I'm going to butcher it, you know, and it's <laughs> not. Good. Yeah. So there is some production stuff. That's really cool. Probably to look mm-hmm. into if that's your thing. Um, the production though is amazing, but it still sounds raw, right? It, it doesn't raw. sound poppy. It's not like that. No. And they, they brought some of the raw energy back. I would say that there is a, it's sonic in a way mm-hmm. that they've been before. But I would say they lost some of the, almost that alternative rock style of being quirky and experimental. Like this all sounds like um, a bit more serious rock, heavy rock. Yeah, riffy. There's ups and downs though. What I love about guys like Scott Lucas, and we talked about this with Lane Staley, is they still have the songs and the moments that are stripped down to nothing. Oh my God, that... That song in the middle of the album is like my favorite song on Me the too. album, probably. <laughs> Sunday best. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that is a, that's a, that's a track I want to uh, highlight. And for me, the album actually sounds. I would say lyrically, it's the most psychedelically uh, integrated yeah, it, album to me. I, I have no idea too, if yeah. there's anything like that, but there's just an element of it in the album. Um, and it was really weird because when lockdown first hit is when I did my, all right, you're doing DMT every day for a while mode <laughs> where I was like, just really embracing that right. side of life. And I was listening to Sunday best a lot on repeat. Um, mm-hmm. It was really making me consider my parents because there's a line in it about, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, how he's his parents, you know, they're, they're him. Uh, I'll, I'll pull up some lyrics yeah, later. I'm trying to pull up the lyrics. Yeah, I, I have it. I can click it in a second. But okay, before cool. we get to that, mm-hmm. what I love, so like just to give a general idea, there's probably a handful of songs that sound very much cut from the same cloth um, of a formula, the, the yeah. three and a half to four and a half, maybe five minutes, uh, very standard local H style rock riffs. If If you're familiar with the band at all, it will sound like they're the songs that are just straightforward rock songs fitting a formula. So it's not like everything is just crazy composition and crazy formula. There are some straightforward, like Foo Fighters um, style of composition where it's, you know, that's like a normal rock song. Mm -hmm. And they, they start with a few like that. I'd say 
there are dynamics in the first few songs, but they all are structured kind of like that. And then you get to like some that have a very strong progressive element. And there are a few songs that stand out in just building in a proggy, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like the longer songs, how would you describe that epic sort of nature? That's a local H signature that not a lot of rock bands do. One of them clocks in at 10 minutes. Yeah, that one's pretty you know. cool. Has um, some like cool parts in it, cool yeah, instrumental stuff. Yeah, they have a lot of really cool songs. And over the years they've done it, there's only a couple albums where they don't have that epic seven minute it's going to get to a part in that song where it all comes together and it is just fucking extraordinary. <laughs> They're yeah. willing to take it to another level. Like we talked about recently about something uh, music related, but oh, yeah. he takes it to another level. When he does a serious kind of song from the heart, he's willing to take it to another level. It's, mm -hmm. it's not... You know, there's a lot of volume to, to whatever he's bringing to the table. And the drums are just thundering and crashing and you heavy. Know, I put it on at work today, actually, and listened to it one time. And one of the guys <laughs> said, like, um, on the first song, I just started putting it. And he goes, this drummer's good. <laughs> no shit, dude. That's why I yeah. said I love this new drummer. He really compliments the riffs well, but like leaves space to. He's not doing anything complex, but it's it's oh, so good. Like it's it really moody. It's it, yeah, it's alive. It drives the, all this. It drives the whole album. Is like it just, it's so alive. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got two dudes, and they both bring the energy. They bring the energy more than I've listened to a lot of two man bands. I love two man bands. The early Black Keys stuff, mm -hmm. White, Stripes. White Stripes. I love this band. Left Lane Cruisers, a two man band, and. There's no two-man band that brings it like Local H, and they do it live. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of pedals he's using or what type of effects or what, but live, it's just so much energy and, and aliveness from two people. Right. And on this album, um, there's a really cool song. I, I want to spotlight. We'll just go in order. The first song I want to spotlight is track four. It's called Turn uh Turn the Bow or Turn the Bass. Yeah. Right. That's a confusing thing. To me, to be honest, I'm not sure I even get the song. I don't like reading into it or like I don't even really look at the lyrics very often. I usually connect to the emotion of the song. And mm. if it I leave songs lyrically to discover parts of them years down the line. Does that make sense? Right, I've done like, that before, definitely. I don't absorb them very good as far as what they literally about. But this song stands out to me. You know, he's talking about uh, turn the bow to me or turn the bow. We probably should know what that is, but oh well. It's, it's like a, a reference to a ship, I think. Right, it's a reference to a ship. But what is it? It's the bow of the ship. Turn right, the bow. I think that's. I keep like, saying bow, but I think it's bow. It's like the front of the ship. I think he's saying like turn, like go in this direction. Yeah, like like change direction, like path. You know, right? And and he's basically saying it seems like I'll be your number two in a way. Like there's this if if you can teach, I can learn. If you can right, teach right. me, I can learn. Um, and yeah, there's there's references to the boat stuff. I figured in you here. would bring that up. I like that. If you can teach me, I can learn. If That's you it. can teach me, I can learn. That is just something that I think a lot more front men probably could lend themselves to hear a lot of artists like 
the openness to just like make that the most powerful part of the song, like basically just saying how, 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 uh, much respect you can have for somebody or how much like honor you can put into somebody. Um, like basically saying, I am your guy, uh, in there. And that that speaks to me in, in odd ways. It's all, every time that part of the song comes on, I'm like, that's the first part of the album where I'm just like, Whoa, there, there's a lot more in the song. Um, but that stood out to you when you heard that, or you knew that that was going to be something. I I just figured it'd be something you liked. I knew like, I don't know, especially since like a week or so ago, you were talking about like the like learning as a skill. Exactly. Uh, That to me, that's a very psychedelic thing to scream out for some reason. Mm -hmm. And it's probably just because I can relate a lot of things. I get get that, though. There's certain parts of songs that in no way reference psychedelics that I'm like, that is definitely like an influence of psychedelics or like, I mean, or it's at least parallel or it's something that you could consider. It's the type of thoughts that come out of you. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, the album came out just under one year ago, April 10th. So beyond the Valley of the snakes is the first like real super epic long, um, song. Do you remember that one? Yeah. That that has some trippy parts in it too. Like the, the guitar parts are really cool. Like he has some cool, I don't even know what effects it was. I can't remember, but it's really cool. So when I referenced him being like older earlier in that, mm-hmm. that comment, not that he's like an old man, but like in the comment, I made a thing like, you're probably thinking you're getting too old for this shit. Seeing right. people out here all fucked up is what I think I said. Um, I think this album has a lot to do with just dedicating to the notion of like, this is what we're doing. Like we are this, we were this and we're this for life. And there's a lot of songs. If you look into them, uh, there are references to like the, there's a song about the doing the, like the drugs alone, no longer being fun. It's no longer to do. It's kind of like growing out of parts or feeling like the old guy but it doesn't matter. Like the heart is still in it. And it's kind of like a, to the right. day I fucking die. I, I'm a rocker. I love that. I want to be like that. Just, yeah. Right. You're born to play. That's, That's what exactly he is. it. He That's is why he so plays that. three hour sets, you know? Exactly. This is what I think. And like just how involved and how much it means to him. And he's not the mm-hmm. guy with like the family and the right. whatever. He is this music. for life. Yeah. He is the, he is the epitome of rock and fucking roll, dude. It's mm-hmm. emotionally charged. It's moody every way you could possibly fucking imagine. It is sex, drugs, and rock and roll to the extreme. And he is such his own person. He's such his own voice. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just, he's, he's just so much rock. He's politically charged. And I'm not like, sometimes like that would be a part where not that I'm remotely Republican. So don't take this the wrong way, but I'm kind of more of the, the not nihilistic or passive, whatever you would call it. I just am, I don't have my faith in anything. I would never tell somebody in, in an event or something that it would be a good idea to vote for anybody probably right. who is in the running legit Republican Democrat. He's a pretty democratic guy. I'd he's, imagine. Yeah. yeah. He's very like left, but you know, I love and respect and 
he's like one of the last people who is like cut from that cloth, but just still has balls. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like he's a very cool, hardcore, I would say hardcore Democrat. I don't know. Regardless, he he's very into politics. Um, obviously hated Trump, which is cool. I love this album is very much charged by the times and, and Trump. Yeah, you could tell there's some references to that. It's Lots of it. Defiance Surrenders, the the last big thundering song before mm-hmm. Innocence, but that's not the only one. There are a few the, songs. The second song, I think, too. Um, yeah. Says something about like going on Twitter and be, like baby needs a diaper change or something. Exactly. I was thinking that was. And th- th- there's even more, dude, like um, Beyond the Valley of Snakes. I think probably has some political charging. I I don't really know. Um, But yeah, and they they do things like they had a song that was about uh, George Bush or something. When that came out, there was a song called president forever. And on the live album, I think he does like a fuck George Bush, fuck George (laughs) Bush. So he's punk rock, dude. He is like that dead Kennedy's the, the heart of punk, which I think is an important part of rock to like connect Mm -hmm. to that, charge up you don't literally have to be political but like have some sort of balls in your and middle finger to something you kind of need a middle finger up to something so i love that and he does it in a way that's tasteful because a lot of times i find political music just typically immature (laughs) you know um it's like a step above christian rock (laughs) no but so he's always been my guy where i'm like I don't think anything less of him for him having like strong faith in say, if he had strong faith in Hillary or if he had strong faith in Biden or I don't know where he stands. So I don't want to just say that he's like a hardcore Democrat, but I get the impression having seen him talk about politics on stage several times that he's very, very adamant that that is the right decision, at least over the other option. Right. So he's not, doesn't, he's not a very anarcho sort of guy, which is probably where I lean. And yeah, he's same. not a very, he's not like a, some sort of person that almost comes off as like a skeptic conspiracy sort of person right. with politics. Although he probably is a little bit of that, but doesn't matter. Moving on. There is some politically <laughs> charged stuff here. Yeah, though. It's definitely. worth mentioning. It comes out, but uh, it's not in your face. Like No, not at all. It's it's amazing, dude. I love this album so much. It's I don't know if it's my favorite Local H album, but if if you were getting into Local H, I would probably say this is the the best. This is probably my favorite album to have somebody listen to. Um, although a lot of my favorite songs are mixed around from the other albums, mm-hmm. this album is just so tight. Yeah, all killer, no energy. filler. Yeah, it touches on everything. So we got Sunday best. I do uh, want to yeah. read the lyrics at least to that one part. Um, it would be fun. F- maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea. One time, when we do these album reviews, it would be cool to just say the lyrics aloud to one album and say what we think. Mm, so yeah. this is a pretty short one. So I will literally say the lyrics, but yeah, I, I, I will. If there's anything you feel like talking about, make a mental note. I'll just kind of go through where I'll pause when I pause, but I'll just let you read the whole thing and then we can talk about it. Get so low and the human toll gets so high, but I don't know if I ever will want to die. Never die. Is it all that it used to be? I don't know if there was somewhere else. If there was somewhere I would rather be, then I'd go. I would go. Unadorned in my uniform, I was late. 
laid to rest in my Sunday best, I was laid. Got some good in me, and I got something bad. Got my mom in me, and I got some of dad. He's in me, he's in me, they are me. Am I really all I used to be? I don't know. You got somewhere else you'd rather be? You should go. You can go. Please don't go. On a road that I know I could, never leave. In a shrine of the foolish kind, no reprieve. Unadorned in my uniform, I was late. Laid to rest in my Sunday best, I was laid. Everyone that I've ever loved, ever knew, has led me to the victory of finding you. I don't know if the the way end of that is a reference to just making music in general, but a lot of this reminds me of what I was saying of that. The beginning, definitely. I was thinking the same thing. Like, um, is is it all that it used to be? Right, right. Is he's wondering is like, yeah, is rock like all that it used to be is playing like all that it used to be. Is it still as fun? But he's like, if I would, if I could do something else, I would do it. But, I don't want to do anything else. I want to do this. What a conundrum. What a thing to express. Like, Uh I don't know anything else. I'm just going to ride this one out till the end. Mm -hmm. I, if there was something else and it was so, it's so cool to just say that. And even if it's not commentary on music, which I think that it kind of is, even if I'm wrong, you know, art is open for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care if he's like, no, actually it's about blah, blah, blah. No, you know, I mean, to me, it sounds like that. Yeah, it, definitely. He's, he oh. doesn't have to be a musician anymore. He could just, he could probably just be retired, you know, but and, he does this because he wants to. Let's look what he's saying. And, and just such interesting perspective here, you know, to say, got some good in me and I got something bad. Got my mom in me and I got some of dad. He's in me, he's in me, they mm-hmm. are me. It, a lot of this divide, this balance, this yin and yang is something right. he presents a lot. He does it really well when he handles um, dealing with somebody, say like the, in a so, there's a song on a previous album where it's kind of about being fucked over or having a relationship end. And then mm-hmm. he's willing to be both sad and almost confidently fuck you about it. <laughs> yeah. Or like comedic in a way or tongue in cheek. I love that attitude, dude, because so many people do one or the other. I'm going to draw reference to something to see if you remember. I won't say a name. Do you remember the first time I ever saw you play music, you were playing guitar with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And they did a song about an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So that was like the type of like, fuck you or lack of caring or almost uh-huh. like over the top in that direction, the Definitely. middle finger side, right? Yep. That's a little much. Yeah, it was a little it's, much. It comes off a bit like, you know, just non-caring and just, it mm. didn't seem right. It didn't seem like it fit. It seemed uh, bitchy in a way. Yeah. Then there's the side where like, hey, a lot of the songs I've written are just merely kind of bleak and dark and like lacking the middle finger as mm-hmm. much as some of like local H is willing to present. It's the perfect balance though, of that style right. of like heartbroken, but I ain't fucking, you know, what can you do? You got to do what you can do. There's like a, there's like a Clint Eastwood, Steve McQueen, like sort of just rugged, just 
trudging forward, powerful sort of identity along with the sensitive yeah. side. They definitely have a bit more of that indie rock. Um, I don't know how well you know, like there's Deer Tick, uh, Dr. Dog, Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh, Neutral yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you think that some of the, they're definitely like a rugged, um, grungy, but have have a little bit of that appeal that would appeal to like you know neutral milk hotel types, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as actually talking about any more song, the song Farah, kind of, I, I it's now over one that I've actually read the lyrics to. Um, but you know he's talking about Farah on the wall, mm-hmm. uh, the Farah comes down or something like that. Do you remember the song when I say it? Yeah. It has that one has like a mystical kind of psychedelic vibe. Yeah, definitely. Sounds uh I don't know. It's it just seems I, I don't know what Farah is specifically. Neither. I think I wanna say when it first came out, I looked it up and it was like a name, but it could have other meanings. I think it meant something like happiness. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's a name. Is a name, but I mean, it probably has other meanings as yeah. well. <laughs> and I just wasn't sure. But to me, it sounded like this had to be a song because obviously Pharaoh is a thing. Right, to right, me, right. it sounded like an Egyptian sort of influence. Yeah, Even I got the same thing, that, like the same vibe. But there's maybe something. Just, yeah, and it definitely reminded me of like a trippy something. So there's mm-hmm. like a slice of that. Um, I think I don't. Innocence, the last song. This lets you know what type of album this is. So. I basically skipped over the first three and started talking at four. We covered track four some, track six some, track seven, just talked about track nine, ten, and I'm about to talk about the last track, 11. Now, that's an album right there, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't even got time to talk about the first three. We, that, that's how meaty and dense it is. The, the single that they released, Innocence, is actually the last track, and it's not one I want to talk about much, but it was the one that they felt the strongest about. And it is a good song. I've played it for people and, and you know, it's one that stands out, I think, but it's so cool to put it at the end. And you know what I love about it? It, it has like a really cool, beautiful rock sound to it mm-hmm. in a way is that typically track 10 here is the last song. Typically the long song with like the three minute fade out, the thundering anthem, epic. End it, yeah. That's the final note. Not on this album. They actually end it with a catchier song that is more, um, maybe has like a melancholy sort of uh, Mm -hmm. feel. I don't really know what you would describe it, but the rock about it is, it's got a prettier sound, a little bit more pop sensibilities than some of the other songs, but that was their single and they put it at the end of the album. Yeah, that's pretty different. <laughs> Very different. And it just goes to show you how much this is an album and not a, an album built around a song. Right, right, right. An album built around this. Like how many times did you buy what, what people probably expect from a lot of bands is there's like a couple songs on, like, especially people who don't aren't music people, a lot of like popular music that they've listened to. There's probably only a song or two on the album that they like, and usually it's track one, track two. Yeah, it's um, it's not a red flag, but I get nervous when track one is the hit. <laughs> when track one is the hit of a, of a, of an uh, album, and it's like the the one they release and is the biggest song, right. I get nervous that the rest <laughs> of the album sucks. Interesting. Or it's like bland and there's it's uninspired. Now that's not always the case. Right, right. But uh. Well, Bound for the Floor was not track one of As Good as Dead, so that's a good sign. What track was it? 
Mm, track three, I think. Mm. I believe High Five and Motherfucker, which is a really funny song. <laughs> it's really cool, man. Um, is the second song and the first song, there's end caps on that. They have like like a song that leads into it that oh, also right, right, leads right. out with like a different tone. Right. So I, I don't know if there's anything else much I want to say about this specific album. I will say this though. Local H does a great job of being a reflection of the times. This is an album mm-hmm. that's willing to be about Donald Trump. It's willing to be about the state of rock. They run commentary. So they run commentary on the times very, very well historically. And they, they draw influence in ways musically. I would say this is the one that almost sounds the least like the times, but there's really no more times as far as music goes outside of top 40. There's no real sound of modern rock that's obvious anymore because people don't listen to the regular radio anymore. They Mm -hmm. don't listen. It's a little bit different now where you kind of have people of all genres and whatever you like, you find it's not, you you only listen to whatever you want to. (laughs) Right. But when they were coming out with music in the nineties, there was a period of time where alternative rock became more popular than grungy rock. Right. So they started off, they sounded like a band that was of the times of a Nirvana uh, inspired by that kind of stuff, obviously. I mean, on Halloween, they they play Nirvana sets. People thought they were a Nirvana ripoff who were mm-hmm. assholes, but, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. You get how, like, that's, like, they're connected sound-wise yeah, yeah. to that. Mm, definitely, definitely. Definitely. Especially early on, Bound for the Floor, obviously. Yeah. But as they went on, like, for instance, by the their album, um, there's one called uh, Here Comes the Zoo, they had more of the sounds of almost like when the offspring would have like fun, quirky parts. They'd bring like a girl in to do like a mm-hmm. little line here. They yeah, would just yeah. be a different stylized. They, they had a little bit of that in the 90s. They came out with like a cool like concept album that sounded a little bit more alternative rock. Then they had one that was definitely had the dynamic of like MTV late 90s rock. And then they add like they got like an indie sort of element. There's like a sophisticated sort of element on like some of their their later albums that wasn't there on the earlier ones. And they always are a reflection of the music in a way of the times, but do it very authentically. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, they definitely, there's something timely about a local H an album and it definitely has its place chronologically their, their sound changes with the times and their lyrics change with the times culturally very well they run good commentary on the times while still sounding like them right right is there anything you want to add like standouts to you i know i talked through most of this one but is there anything about the album or anything you want to say on this that that pops no i think i said pretty much everything i like was thinking while I listened to it. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. catchy stuff. It's, it's yeah, definitely not trying too hard to be anything. And the riffs are really cool. There's a lot of cool, like harmonized like riffs too, that are really like, they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. I dig awesome lifers. I mean, I, I give it, I don't want to give a star rating or anything like that, but it's clear. I love the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I will listen to anything they put out. And if I don't like it at first listen, I'll probably find a way to like it. (laughs) Listen till you like it. Yeah, there's a couple albums like that where as a whole, it took me a few listens to figure out what I I would eventually appreciate a shitload about them. (laughs) 
But this one was not like that. Nah, it was nah. right away. Yeah. I'm like, this album is so good. Yeah, what a rock good. juggernaut. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Oh, and it's heavy without like scream. I mean, he screams in such a unique way. Yeah, he does. It's yeah. never like, it's never like forced. It comes, it's like comes from the same place. It's just an emotion at it. Mm-hmm. It's not like now it's his yelly voice and now it's his throaty this. Like he, um, he doesn't change what type of voice he uses. It really comes from the emotion that he's yeah, feeling, which definitely. I connect with big time. So check it out. Local H lifers.